Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Andy. And good evening, Tom. How, How are, are you, you today? Oh, well, I'm physically exhausted because I have children. Uh, but luckily, I've poured myself a, a, a large glass of Talisker Sky, which uh, is a, a, a smokier whiskey, not a space side. It's a nice mm, smoky whiskey. And a big glass of water because you must stay hydrated. Well, I'm uh, in the recuperating process from having finally moved home. Mm -hmm. Woohoo. And, and as we're here to talk hobby, I have got a large flask of weak lemon drink. Oh, oh you animal. But so we've got hobby progress, obviously, what we've been up to. Uh, we've got games played, although we've had a little peek at that in the last episode, some games we've played already. Um, the usual news and roundups, and of course, our trip through the gallery. Are you ready? Let's get the show on the road. Hobby progress. So I think for me, this last month has been, uh, get a pun in early, game of two halves. Early on in the month, I managed to get the Sacred Band of Thebes all painted up, which is the actual name I'm using for the mortal gods, uh, Greeks, I painted up from Futsalmanis. It's mm -hmm. a mixture of plastic Victrix Greeks with some of the metals from Futsal. All really nice minis, got yeah. them all painted up. Uh, you know, good reminder to myself that I can't freehand shield details so they're all there with plain bronze shields because can he paint a club on them tried gave up and then i painted a human blood bowl team which were the oldest models that i had in my collection unpainted wow i'd had them since 2016 a eBay halfling and ogre got them up to snuff for playing modern blood bowl got them all painted up and they look really nice i'll be able to play with them at some point when we play some mm -hmm. blood bowl yeah definitely then sure. i made a start on the 100 days 28 mil french army that is you know are you going to get them painted in 100 days? Is it going to be literally uh, a longer campaign than it takes to paint the army, Tom? I think it probably is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I started building them and I got four units of foot built. I'm, used, I'm doing 24-man units for uh, the black powder that we're going to be playing. Tiny but, units. It's a shame. But I can easily do them. I can easily go 36 if I want to, because I'm not multi-basing them. I'm putting them on uh, 40 by 40s. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing bases of four guys for my Portuguese. I'm going to do them. There's going to be four on one square base. Yeah, yeah so, 40 by 40, I think. Yeah, I, I'm 40 by 40s, I, I'm going to do, and I'm going to do some individuals for playing sharp practice and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's all... I've got it worked out in my head and I've got a box of bases for them somewhere. But then I got the confirmation that all the paperwork was in order for us to move. So Hooray! hobbying went on the back burner immediately and I started doing one-to-one -one terrain painting. Mm -hmm. for. 
What scale is that wall you're painting there, Tom? Oh, one to one. Luckily, did bring my painting table from home into the new flat while I was painting it. So it, it was, I suppose, technically, count, if, if your paints are on the hobby table, does it still count as hobby painting? Mm -hmm. It's a question for the moral maze there. So yeah, I got everything, uh, spent a couple of weeks painting and decorating, then moved and I've now spent, after sort of trying to get our new house sorted and livable, managed to grab some time yesterday, which was a bank holiday Monday, to actually sort out all of my hobby collection. Now it's in one place. Mm -hmm. uh, my entire collection of everything is three stacks of really useful boxes, six feet high. Mm -hmm. And I have a cupboard that fits two boxes six feet high, which is yeah. my hobby cupboard. And so I've got to do quite a lot of condensing and selling. Yeah, especially if you hope to get anything new in the future. So you have to make, if you're going to do any more projects in the future, I guess it's one in, one out. Is that how it's going to work? I think, well, to be honest, I've looked at a lot of what I've got, and actually I was quite surprised to be honest, in how much I've got that isn't painted. Because I'm discounting in my, when I talk about my collection, I'm discounting all my Games Workshop stuff mm -hmm. because I intend to sell it all and I don't play with it anymore. So that's not really part of that, that stuff. I, I, I intend to clear it all out because I don't want it anymore. I, I don't yeah. have space for it. And I was like, oh, well, I've got like probably 20 bolt action armies. I mean, I've only actually got about 10 of them finished. Mm -hmm. The other 10 are in various stages or they've got bits and pieces painted or some of them are even like you've painted the tanks. You've got none of the infantry even built. They're in the box waiting to go. Yeah. So it was. I think as I was sort of moaning to you via message that it, it was quite disheartening really really realizing how much stuff that i've got but since then i've actually think actually i've got them i've got the models it doesn't matter if it takes me several years to paint them i'll get through them eventually yeah and oh so you've got about 25 tanks to paint cool i like painting tanks it's you know that that will be a fun project to do for a couple of months of painting a load of tanks and then i'll have a load of painted tanks done so yeah and i think i don't know about you but i'm fully of the opinion that things on the sprue take up a lot more room than things when they're painted oh yeah for sure definitely and especially when they're like magnetized and like i'm going my plan is to i'm going to fully magnetize my collection because since i went to the using ferro sheet on the bottom and of a box or a tray and then just a two mil magnet magnetic sheet cut to fit the base the ones that were like that which i'd already done in the move took zero damage yeah and so i'm and it costs two to three pounds per box to do that so look it, it it's not expensive yeah. in the long run to do everything so my plan is to do everything like that and go right not just the ones that use for transport everything that goes in the cupboard is going to be magnetized to the bottom of its base yeah so 
and that's really my sort of hobby progress but it did leave me to sort of one quick tangent before we talk about yours and mm-hmm. i think it's i was thinking about it with these french as i was wondering, like is it better to like build when you're working on like a big army project yeah is it better to like build it all in one go or build as you paint so if you're paint if you've got like 150 line infantry to do and you're doing them in 24 man units do you build 24 then paint them build 24 then paint them or paint all 150 and then paint them what i have traditionally done for large army is to um, to build them and then undercoat them and then certainly for my english civil war i bagged it i bagged them up in like little bags of 24 and i put the bags away and I just get one bag out and just do that one unit at a time. So I guess I am breaking it down into manageable chunks because if I if I put the whole army on the table in front of me and said, right, let's get painting this whole army, I would never have got through it. It was too much in one go. No, that that's exactly how I do it and it's, it's how I'm doing these French. Um it, each unit is going in a little takeaway tub. So I'm building them, putting them in the tub, mm-hmm. building one putting them in the tub. I like to do all the building, then at least do most of the priming. Yeah. And and then do the painting simply because because I have a relatively small hobby area or a table I use. I, I don't like getting right all my tools out to build and then putting it away for all the paints. And just and but then you're yeah, definitely painting like a unit at a time so you've got some progress. Mm-hmm. And going right, this unit is now finished. Now start on the next one, but then I leave the basing to end the end, and then I base them all when they finish. So to let you peep behind the curtain a little bit, I will be having a lot of painting time this summer, in all likelihood. Um, paint fest, my annual, uh, my biannual paint fest, uh, when I'm abandoned by my family to just paint models. So my plan is this summer, while I'm just by myself just to focus on getting those Portuguese um, Napoleonics done. So I will be, you know, working my way through them. And that's how I'm planning to do it myself, is just to, yeah, do it one unit at a time. You know, 48, yeah, I, 48 in a unit, obviously, small units. I, I, I'm a huge fan of batch painting, but I think when you're painting 24 belt buckles or 24 hats, that's one thing. If you're trying to paint a hundred hats you sort of lose the will to live yeah there's there's somewhere somewhere there's a metric isn't there i mean i just put a show on and a hundred a hundred six mil hats is a lot quicker than 128 mil hats that's for sure yeah so i would just probably say to myself if i was going to do the thing like i'm just going to get the boots done tonight and i am even if i finish early i'm not doing anything else tonight i'm then the next day you go right tonight it's all the trousers the next that's all the jackets and just you know it's not like we're not talking about napoleonics either which just have really dead simple uniforms with not much extra detailing or stuff to pick out you know it's only a couple of colors bing bang bosh and you're done with them isn't it so mm-hmm. i mean i'm thinking my army like my my um, bot action americans that's how i always done it i get the my americans paint set and it goes right here's the gators color Gators, 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 done. Boots, boots, boots. You know, literally done the the clothing as I go through. By well, item, by it's item. the quickest way, and it, it it's especially when I'm painting stuff like camo. 
it's like right orange blobs darker orange blob inside that orange blob and like by the time you've got to the end the other ones are dry so you just keep painting them there's like right mm -hmm. now onto the cocktail stick size dot i couldn't imagine painting a single six mil six mil figure and then do the next single six mil figure and then doing the third six mil. like it literally i can't imagine anyone doing it that way i mean i'm sure there are people who do it that way and i'm sure they look fantastic but for me it's just you know even the smallest amount of paint you put on your palette that's going to be enough to do the 24 I, six mil guys i don't enjoy doing even like a 28 mil guy on his own and then doing the next one unless they're a character yeah but but then even when i'm painting characters i'd rather paint two or three characters at once and then even mm -hmm. if being free and fancy with the colors like, oh you've got red trousers so you can have a red shirt because i've already got red paint on the back well as, as my wife will let you know i have terrible color coordination <laughs> So every time I haven't got a uniform to follow and I'm like, I'm just going to freestyle and just paint what I think goes at the end. And all it's like a blooming mess. <laughs> just like, <laughs> why has he got a purple shirt with those grey trousers? It's a disgusting colour combination, Andrew. I thought it looked gents. nice. It just looks terrible. Yeah, always listen always... to your wife when it comes to colour ideas. You could always be painting somebody who's got equally horrendous style choices as you. I mean, I, I think I would have heard about him in Ripley's Believe It or Not if he existed to some of the sartorial elegance to match my own. <laughs> so, if we return from that tangent, how about how's your hobby progress been? Well, month? I th honestly thought I hadn't done anything really this month. I thought I thought it'd been a bit of a washout because I didn't really feel like I got very much done. But then I started looking at what I'd actually done, and it was I was surprised by how much there was. So I finished off my six mil Prussian starter set that I got from Bacchus. Bacchus did his wonderful different starter set. So obviously I chose the one, I chose Prussians, for the 1815 ones for Waterloo. And I did that to the artillery, the the Lancers, the Landwehr. They're all, the starter set stuff is all done. I just have the extra stuff I picked up to bulk out. So there are some more Landwehr infantry and stuff to go, Fusiliers, and I'll get those painted but I got that basically. So that army is finished and could be played with. That's great. But I have extra stuff I'm going to do to make it a little more chunky, give it a bit more, uh, more flavor. So that if I did that last year, that would have been a tick on my oval list. But because I managed to um, buy some more models between then and now, uh, my 10 mil auxilia that I never thought I'd get those finished. Honestly, I thought that was going to last forever, Tom. Just some paint it, jobs just drag. It it did sound your ongoing reports of how you were doing them. It did sound like you're painting the Chaos Dwarves again. Oh like, my gosh! I'm still on with the auxilia. Just like day seventeen. I don't know. Still just, on the auxilia. Why is I mean you're just putting different colours and different models. You know why I found it so much more tedious than other models. I don't know. It must just be just I think for some reason. I think it's one of those things with 10 mil is that you can sometimes of like, I know I find myself like stuck in the headlights of painting 10 mil models exactly the same as I would paint a 28 mil model. Mm -hmm. And yet, obviously, because they're a fraction of the size, it's just like everything is actually just harder to paint because yeah. it's tiny. <laughs> but you still think, oh, I've got to paint the buckle on this shoe because I can see the buckle. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, true. you know, 
you're painting a six mil dude it's like well technically that shoe goes halfway up because that blob i've put on for the leather of the shoe actually goes halfway up his shin just at matter but i i think the balls you paint there was a lot of them it looked like you painted hundreds of them oh yeah i did it's like over 100 100 and something odd yeah so i ended up with like just yeah i don't know how many enough i got enough tom as the answer I, how many arches were there enough enough to field um we should play some HLCs or some Warmaster soon, so we'll actually get to use them. I think we've done that classic war game thing, haven't we? You've now got a 10 mil HLCs around me, mm-hmm. and I've got a 6 mil HLCs around Well, the good news is I have two 10 mil HLCs around me. I've got um, Romans and Celts. Oh, good. So I, I made sure I covered both, um, both sides, so I could definitely have a game. But yeah, they're done, and that was a tick because I got the spe- auxiliary with spears done. I've got the auxiliary with bows done. Tick ten mil auxiliary done. So that was a tick. So that makes me feel good. I feel like I'm progressing because I haven't been uh, ticking off as many things off my um, overall list as I would have liked this year. Um, and one thing that could have been on my overall list but wasn't was, of course, those emu war emu wars models that we've been telling everyone about. I painted them this month, and they were absolute joy. I got those done in the morning. I enjoyed them so much. <laughs> they look really nice. They were, they, yeah, the basing, I think, really was what set them off. Not very challenging to get done, but it was just just, just fun. I think that's the difference. Like, I wasn't finding the auxilia fun to paint, but emu wars were fun to paint. So just zip through them. But, you know, the, so the archers, I just put on a show. You watch the show. I painted them while we're watching TV. And then as long as you're making things, as long as you're making progress, you know, no one's going in and taking the paint off the models. Eventually, you're just going to finish them. Eventually, they're going to be done. It's just a matter of time. As long as you don't quit and you just keep going, eventually you'll finish all your models. Yeah, it's and you know, it's whatever works for you, isn't it? It's like if it's a personal thing of how much time you commit to them, how much do you enjoy it? And now you've got the enjoyment now having them done. You've got the tick off them done. And, you know, it was... In reality, it was only a few days that they took yeah. to paint, wasn't it, really? I mean, like, really, it may have felt like seven yeah. years. Oh, but... uh, yeah. It felt like the seven-year war. I mean, in reality, that's, that's kind of three projects done. So I've got a workable Prussian army. I've got those um, the auxilia all done. So that's my Roman army done for war master. There's nothing else I can take for them. And Emu Wars is completed. So that's, that's really good for me. But speaking about you moving house, I, was, I, I kind of... Um, we had a really big cleanup in our house because we've got uh, the painters and decorators are coming in to decorate the house. And so the wife wanted to take the time to uh, to give upstairs in our room a really good clean. And um, we went to the lockup to get some stuff and we came back. And that's when she said, I want all your models to go to the lockup. Which is nothing that a gamer wants to hear. It's a 20 minute journey for me to get my models from the lockup. And um, she didn't say you had to sell them or get rid of them or stop playing them. She just said they go to lock up. And then, God bless her, I managed to convince her to let me keep one shelf um, in, in the bedroom. So I'm like, it's going to be a real a real ache, <laughs> to, a real pain to have to keep going and like every week to go. So, you know, you're right. I don't use all of them all the time. Let me reduce that. Um, the two shelves. Ooh. Two shelves, Tom. Can you imagine? You're telling me you've got like six foot tall stacks now. I'm allowed two shelves. It's a different different world over here. Um, 
so yeah, I've got to go through and just sort of reduce and um, and send send some things off to um, Azkaban, as I'm now calling it. Lock them up. So what would you do, Tom, if your if 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 your missus said, right, half of it's got to go? I I would initially be quite miffed, and then I would try and see it from their point of view of why I'm having to look at little toys and weird bits of plastic and action figures and just random rammel. Yeah, like, my wife's like a real adult, unlike me. Yeah. <laughs> she um, wants like a nice adult house rather than like the, yeah, the toy room. <laughs> the the, uh, the quote I had when we moved into our new place is the living room. Uh, she, my wife wants the living room to look like an adult living room yeah. and not a kid's bedroom. Mm-hmm. So there's no like tanks on the windowsills or dragons knocking about the place because they're too big to fit in a box. Well, well, I mean, luckily I have William living with me, so that we have that wherever I have my stuff out or not. But I, I, to be honest, I think as long as you're keeping it in storage, I think the reality of how we game at the moment and have done for the last several mm-hmm. years, I don't think it really be that much of an issue. Yeah, because we know. Well, I know at least, at least I know probably a month to like two months in advance of what games I'm going to be playing, roughly to the point that I've had to stop putting things in on the calendar. So it's like right, like I played Paul at some DBA the other week, last week, and I'd been on the calendar for a couple of months, and I should have been playing Ed a couple of weeks time, um, but you know it's. I think when you can sort of plan those things and go, right, if I need Army X for this, I'm going to need it in a few weeks' time or a couple of months. But maybe having, like, an army that if somebody says, anyone want a game of bolt action this week, you can pick that up and you go, right, I can play bolt action, I can play this. Like, I don't need ready immediate access to my English Civil War army because I play with it once in a blue moon. Absolutely. I mean, that was the first thing I put. I went, that can go in storage. Because I've got my 10 mil, yeah. which is the one I use for like pickup games with Ed and yourself. We just play quick, a quick game, great. 10 mil, that's great. It fits in a bag. But the 28 mil stuff, that was one where I was like, great, that's definitely going in storage. Boom. Yeah. And I, I think those like event armies or like things where they're like an occasion where you bring them out, you just don't need them on really to reach hand you and it's not like we're playing 20 games a month yeah so I, I i yes it's a pain to have to go to storage but if i had the option of could i put a load of my stuff in storage if i already had the storage i think i'd jump at it mm-hmm. just because it's, it's less stuff in the flat it's less stuff that's visible yeah, and because like... it's not it's not new storage. We we pay for storage currently, and it's just mm-hmm. not full. And it's like there's space there. You know, we're paying for the storage because we've got lots of furniture and stuff that can't go in the house and stuff we have like Christmas decorations, Halloween decorations, so on. So it's there. It's an opportunity, and I think you're absolutely right. There's lots of stuff like I haven't played with for years. Well, I... And you know, some of it I'm I'm gonna sell. Some of it I'm gonna give away. So I'll do stuff with, with, but I think it's a great opportunity just to reduce the collection that I just have in my house. Yeah, I, I think 
like if if it was me putting stuff in storage, I would only be wanting to like pay for the storage of stuff that I could see myself realistically using. Yeah. At some point, even if that point might be several years in the future. Mm-hmm. Like like when we finished this in the English Civil War campaign system, the which you know I think we've got the, the next game booked at the end of this month. Yeah. I think that's gonna like really round out our twenty eight mil English Civil War for a while. Yeah. Like I don't mind if I don't play twenty eight mil English Civil War for the next five years. Yeah. I'm gonna keep that army because it took me hundreds of hours to paint. Oh yeah that that's and, that that was what I did during lockdown. Yeah. And, that that, that project kept me sane and and that army i want to keep forever because it's yeah. it, it's a, it's an ever I, I think i might have talked about this before i was like i i'm starting to get my head around the idea of like evergreen armies yeah like an army i haven't got right this is part of my collection this is here <laughs> something like the orc crawl boys are painted up to play uh rain in hell with those i'm not really that bothered about you know yeah it, it, it's that sort of stuff. So I think, like, I wouldn't be wanting, to, like, I wouldn't be wanting to pay storage on like my forty k stuff because mm-hmm. I just want it gone. I want to sell it. Yeah, I have pay for it. I mean, that's it's, kind of what I'm, what I'm doing about is, is kind of dividing into three, or maybe even four. Like one, give it away. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's going to buy this. Just give it to someone. Two, stuff I want to sell because. Do I really want to store it? Do I want to play with it? I haven't played with it for five years. Am I going to suddenly? Probably not. Um, stuff to go into storage and stuff I'm, I'm like, I want there as a pickup to be able to go and play with, you know, on a Wednesday or as a quick pickup game. Yeah. And so that's where I am. And, and actually, I'm, I'm quite, ex- I've, gone, I've gone from terror to quite excited about this project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get to go through my model boxes and sort things out. This would be fun. And with my bolt action armies, I've been a, we've discussed still mania before uh, on the podcast. The idea that you build a an army list and that's just the army list you use. You have no extra models. Well, I'm thinking I'm going to go through and just build a thousand point list for each army, a generic thousand point army list. Keep those models for that, and then put the rest in storage. So I've just got a box with a bolt action army, so it's Germans in one, Falschmiger maybe, or my DAC in another one, and then my Americans or my Polish. And I could just pick up that box and I know in there's a thousand points ready to go. And if I really need to go and get some, you know, I haven't quite got enough of light machine guns for some reason, well then I can go to the storage and get some more if I find that it just isn't working as, a, as an army list. What I've, I have like quite often done with a lot of my bolt action armies is, especially the more weird and esoteric ones is, when I build, because I build them to an army list generally now, mm-hmm. they just have a laminated army list in in the box. Ooh. And it, so it's just like, right, so I grab those Ethiopians, I grab the A through army or whatever. It's just the army list's already in the box. I know what's there. It just sort of saves time. But I, I think maybe something that we're sort of both possibly dealing with at the minute is that it's like coming to terms with the idea of like being different gamers to how we were yeah. previously, but actually like not like becoming more like historical and smaller scale focused gamers, mm-hmm. but while still keeping all of our 
28 yeah. mil sci-fi and fantasy skirmish stuff yeah. and actually going well we don't really play these massive 28 mil scale games very often with big armies anymore yeah. um you know it's not our pickup game and you know shifting that because i i don't think i would imagine especially in britain i would imagine you, you can't have many people who have got like a big historical collection and a big like gw collection or mm-hmm. like a man like you have to have like one or the other most people haven't got like a hobby loft or like most people even like meal. even if you've got like a games room there's only a finite amount of stuff you can fit in your games yeah. room and I think we've both talked about it a lot. The style of games we play has changed an awful lot over the years. And I think as we are playing more and more different games recently, we've talked about it, haven't we? We're both realising we like small number skirmish, 28 mil, 28 mil scale, we like small number skirmish games with like half a dozen dudes. So it's nice, small, and for anything bigger, we want it to be small scale. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah. Definitely. It, 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 partly it's convenience. I just I just am not in a place where I want to carry four figure cases anywhere unless it's a special occasion. Yeah, and I, I think bizarrely, I, I, I'm starting to think that maybe actually 10 mil is a smaller scale than 6 mil because you end up with smaller footprint armies in 10 mil than you do with 6. Yeah, you, it's about the size of the base. There's a song there, but uh, you have to sing that yourself. <laughs> so, shall we sort of move along? Into, as we were talking about this, about selling things and getting rid of things and shrinking our collections, that too. What have we purchased in the last month? Yes, let's move on to hobby purchases. Hobby purchases. Bought some Keyforge deck boxes and sleeves for Keyforge decks. Woohoo! For the grandiose sum of £12 because they were being sold for pent. I think they were being like 80p a pack for sleeves. It's, less, like, that's like, it's like 50p, wasn't it? Because I bought some as well. Like there's, there's nothing that makes you think maybe this is a dead game when everyone's selling the accessories for it for next to nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I bought some deck boxes and some sleeves for most of my good Keyforge decks. Mm -hmm. And that's all I've purchased. Yeah, I am in a very similar, I think I spent £20. But I also bought Emu Wars. I can't remember how much that was, but it was worth, obviously worth every penny. I picked up off eBay, someone had marked them as tiny soldiers. And I think it was like £9, including postage I got them for. But I didn't know what they what they were. They were a six mil army, and after some fantastic investigative searching by the six millimeter hobby groups on Facebook, they managed to work out they were Macedonian successor army uh, from Bacchus. So now at least I know what I've got when oh. I finally get around to painting it. So I've got a Macedonian army now, Tom. Uh, what flavour of successor are they? Ptolemy or? Which generic successes? It's just it hits six mil top. <laughs> it's a guy with a spear. What do you want him to be? <laughs> Any elephants? Yes, two elephants. Obviously, it was it was the elephants that got me. I was like, oh, they got some elephants in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
games we played. Listeners will be familiar that we played some Zone Alpha earlier mm-hmm. in the month. We, we sure we did. We discussed that, and you know, you had a jolly old time with Emu Wars. Mm-hmm. And I also played some DBA with Paul last week. No. You, you, I know you had Poseidon's Warriors, didn't you, with Sam? I think that but, was in uh, March. I think it was in the last episode. It's so. in the last, and I don't keep a diary notice of when I've actually played games. So Poseidon's Warriors could have been at the beginning of April. Can't quite remember. It was in the last episode, so we'll say it was. We'll anyway, it was. So, so anyway, I played three new games then this month. Played Poseidon's Warriors, Zone Alpha, and DBA. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us about DBA, Tom. It's a very old game that is can be played in pretty much any scale. It's primarily meant for 15 mil. It's quite an abstract game in that every army is made up of 13 elements. And you play it on a two by two. And pretty much by the end of turn two, your entire army is quite often in combat. But then how each element acts, it becomes then very tactical and you're doing a lot of thinking about how each element is going to act and what it can do, what it can't do. You roll a dice that gives you how many like activation pips you can use. So it becomes very tactical and you pretty much can't really have a game plan because you never know what's going to happen and it's a game that I've been wanting to play for years. I've had the rules for years. Paul asked me if I'd fancied playing it. He brought down four armies with all the terrain we needed for it. And it was a brilliant. We you know we had we played three games in about three and a half hours. And I think I could definitely see it being the game that I play at home. Because it seems to be perfect to play in a living room in that you need a two by two table to play it. The terrain are things like fields, rivers, roads, possibly something that represents a town. And like the way you place terrain is each army has a terrain list. You then roll for where the terrain goes in the corners. The uh, defender places the terrain. The attacker then chooses where it goes. And the book has hundreds, I think, of army lists in there that go from biblical times right through till sort of the very edge of the Renaissance. Oh yes, there's, there's, I've got a copy of DBA myself somewhere on the shelf. It's a slim, a slim uh, rule book, but there are so many army lists to choose from. Yeah, it, it's one of those games that I think is you look through the rules and it's quite intimidating because you go, I have got no idea where this you, like, you look at the diagrams for what you're doing for flanking and support and these sort of things. And it's it can seem a little bit overwhelming, but once you actually sort of get your head around it, it's a really great game. I I really liked it. And to be honest. I could definitely see it becoming one of my main games because it, it sort of fits everything I like. Oh, it, it fits strong in that, praise there from Tom. Well, it, it fits in that perfect idea of how I, I, I intend to do more of my gaming going forward of treating war games like board games. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you build both sides. You make some terrain that suits what you're doing. You go, right, here's my Minoans and the Sea People. Who wants to play it? Right, join yeah. the Minoans and the Sea People. Here we go. You know, you're having 13 elements. Your armies are, like, the most, like, four men on a base. Mm-hmm. It's, you're mostly using 40 by 20 bases, so it's they're relatively small armies in footprint. They're relatively cheap because you're playing it in 15 mil, and it's a really fun game. I would give it a huge thumbs up. I know there's some uh, shops that there's some miniature sellers. You can just buy the armies already there, like they're just there. DB army, click. Yep, Essex minis. Essex minis does. Dozens and dozens of them. They're, they're technically for DBA two, um, but there's there's very diff- little difference between three. And if, if you drop them an email, they'll tell you what you need, and you're looking at like between twenty and thirty pounds for for most of them. Yeah, and, and that's like that's like the cost of a unit for like pretty much most games, isn't it? Yeah, and they allow you to play like the the army lists are fixed more or less they might be like right you have these 11 units that you must take and then you can take two fast skirmishers or two blades yeah it's, it's, it's like a fixed list isn't it? it's fixed and then there might be at the end a cup two or three units you can change around and, and mix yeah it around. It's, it, it's pretty much be like which flavor of skirmisher do you want to change do you want like skirmisher hoplites or javelin men that, that, that sort of thing and it, it just, yeah, it's. I intend to be playing a lot more of it. So probably over the coming months, listeners will probably hear a lot more about DBA. I look forward to hearing about it myself. And also, I think for me, without stressing point, the fact that I can play it in my living room, just brilliant. You know, people can come around and play it. Yeah. So what have you been up to game-wise, Andy? What have I been up to? Uh, played some Keyforge uh, with uh, with Paul. Thank you, Paul. Great fun, just grabbing decks, just 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 playing some games. It was that was really enjoyable. And then um, when we finished there, we played a little game called Blitz Bowl. Have you heard of Blitz Bowl, Tom? Is this the quicker version of Blood Bowl? That's like the it's the it's Super exact, Sevens version. It it it's not like yeah, kind of. It's uh, it's a game that's only sold in America and Germany for some reason. Where it's like a square board, and it's Blood Bowl with, with much smaller teams. There's cards to count down. It, it, it's actually it's just a really really good fun quick game. I played Goblins versus Skaven, and then Halflings versus Blackhawks. And I have to say, it was thoroughly enjoyable. And in fact, it's more like how you imagine Blood Bowl is going to be before you play Blood Bowl. Because <laughs> when you play Blood Bowl, you're like, it's like suddenly something in my brain, I'm triggered, I become uh, Kasparov. And I'm there like, mm, I must give myself an aneurysm just thinking about which move I'm going to make next. Blitz I Bowl. think that is the, the just, quandary. He's running around rolling dice. It's just, it's just really quick and really fast and really fun. That is a quandary of Black Bowl, isn't it? A game that should be, on in theory, really fun, really silly, really simple. It's actually a very deep and very tactical game. Oh, yeah. Where you have, 
you're, you're having to sort of think several moves in advance and what your opponent is doing. And then still, you know, your best player makes a go for it and falls over and breaks their neck. It's, yeah, always, always, a, always a one. And no one has ever re-rolled a, go for, a failed go for, go for it and got anything except another one every time. It's always the case, except when it isn't. <laughs> this game, I was playing Paul, it literally came down to the last die roll um, versus the Black Ox. If I rolled a, a five or more, my halfling threw the ball and it was caught. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a completion and I wouldn't hit, and Paul would win the game. Uh, I did. I won the game, but it was still super close. Really, really close. Really, really good fun. So there are rumours that Blitz Bowl is going to be coming out um, available for everyone. And I would really recommend it. If you don't want to get into the heavy, you know, rough and tumble world of real Blood Bowl and a Blood Bowl League, this is actually a really fun. It's only half-size teams. You've got less models to paint. Easier rules. There are loads of fan teams out there for the ones that aren't actually in play. There's a time limit on it because... The cards keep getting turned. I know there's a time limit in that turns and so on in in full on Blood Bowl, but this was just it was just quicker and just a lot more a lot more fun, <gasps> more fun than Blood Bowl, but uh, in it, a different um, way. Does it play quite? Does it play a lot quicker than Blood Bowl then? Yes, yeah, yeah. We got two games of Blitz Bowl in, um, and to give you an example, the next game I played next week was an actual game, my league game of Blood Bowl. Uh, against a different Paul. <laughs> it seems like I only play people called Paul and you, Tom, um, at the club. But um, it was my league match. So it was a Camry team versus my um, Helltown Hellraisers, my necromantic team. And we didn't finish the game. We we got halfway. We didn't even finish the first half of the game because there was so much brain work going on and dice rolls. And just it just yeah, took all night to get halfway through the game. I think so this, it's a different kind of fun. I I love playing Blood Bowl. There's a point where I, I killed one of uh, Paul's guys and I stood up and cheered and the whole club cheered with me. <laughs> that was a moment. <laughs> yes, yeah. Everyone cheered. Um, and then he rolled a dice and he got better because he's undead. So four plus, he's fine. He's fine. He was dead. Now he's, now he's all right. Um, yeah, it's a very different game. It's very different. And it, it, I think it... it um, fulfills a different um, niche uh, in your gaming. So, if, yeah, if you love Blood Bowl um, and like really having to think hard about what moves you're making, then maybe it would be too simple for you, but you might enjoy it as a, a quick pick me up instead, you know, it's just something you can play quickly. It, I'm thinking uh, at eight o'clock on a Wednesday night after being at work all day and slightly haggard. Some of the fun of Blood Bowl without the mental brain work might be quite nice. And, and not <laughs> going, this is what you're doing for the next three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, there, there was a little bit of that, like, we're just playing, we're just rolling dice. I mean, we talked about Emu Wars in the last episode, and there's a lot to be said for just rolling dice and laughing with your opponent and not caring. And there's a little bit of that in Blitz Bowl, but had a much... Uh, better set of rules. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it really. It was just, it was just really good fun. It was really good fun. I'll keep my silliness. Eye on, that's really good just... fun silliness. Well, I, I think, I think we, we chatted about it with Emi was, isn't it? A, a game doesn't have to be the most complex or in depth to be fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they can be different, like a, a very tactical 
like hard thinking super this is chess can be an awful lot of fun mm-hmm. but also sometimes you don't want to play chess sometimes yeah. Paul other Paul the, the one I played my uh, Ace Camry we had the most fun I have the most fun playing Paul and we have a great time but the whole time I am playing I feel like my brain is melting and I'm gonna like just something I just it's just so stressful it's just you know to paraphrase um Ernest Hemingway you know playing blood bowl is easy you just sit at the table and bleed you know you just that the agony of just like playing the game and then like oh no it's all gonna go wrong and then and then it doesn't go wrong and the release of stress and you're like yes I actually killed this guy <laughs> not literally killing the guy you're playing with but you know killing his player it and then getting a touchdown it's uh it's really great when that happens but Man, is it stressful getting there. So, shall we, talking about a game that might be coming to these shores, shall we talk about stuff which we can definitely buy or is coming up in the hobby news? Oh, definitely. Hobby news. Jumping off with Warlord, the Mythic America range, I've now got some more stuff on pre-orders, including... Yep. The Wear Jaguars. Oh, we were talking about the Wear Jaguars. Um, how much fun it would be to paint their pelts, weren't we? Now, I think, unfortunately for me, these are a little bit too action figurey mm-hmm. for me. I think they they have the look very much of like a a third tier henchman from season two of He Man or Thundercats or something. Oh yeah, rather than necessarily minis that I would like to paint. Uh, I don't know about your thoughts on those, if you've seen them. I mean, they're nice, um, but I, I haven't got any of the Mythic America. Um, I, I just, it hasn't interested me as a, as a game. Um, I don't know how they play in the game. That might influence you more to go and um, and pick one up. I think I, I, I really like that the fact that Mythic America exists in that other mythologies are being explored for gaming Mm -hmm. i think just unfortunately for me it's a mythology that i'm not at all really invested in so it just doesn't really do anything for me i'm not i'm not doing any i'm not going and doing any you know mythology really for any other ones i'm not doing you know um Fomori, or is it Fomori? Uh, well, yeah, we, you know, we yeah, jumping or, on to mythology. Sorry. You know, yeah, you know, the Slain mini game is now shipping. Mm-hmm. And like when I first heard the Slain, they were making a Slain game. I was like, wow, I've definitely got to pick that up because I love Slain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then I saw the minis, and I was like, do you know what I can live without these? Yeah. Um, they they are nice minis, but they they just don't have that thing that says I need to have these mm-hmm. in my life. That, that happens, you know. You sometimes you see models and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I need to have it. Says Andrew, remembering his giant um, giant wicker man terrain <laughs> piece that he has. Oh, says my, my uh, entire naughty dwarf army um, mm-hmm. warband. You know, saw those, thought they are amazing. I need them. Yeah, so the slain, if you want to buy the slain, you can now buy it, pick it up. 
Um, from what I understand, it's a reworked, inspired game that's using the similar system to the Judge Dredd game, mm-hmm. which is actually a good game. Uh, so I, I think it's, you know, it, it's a good game there, probably in there. If you like slaying, you know, don't be put off that we've not bought it. I mean, I never read the. I read. I read literally one comic book that someone had once at Christmas. I've never really read. I mean, it's always something that interested me. But in some ways, actually, not knowing about Slain, I know there's all this history in all the comic books over all the years. It actually, puts me off a little bit getting in, involved in playing the game because I don't know the background. It was an easy way. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia page. But it's kind of like, oh, I don't really know the comic books. It kind of puts me off buying the game as much as it, I'm sure, it encourages people who do know the story. I think this is the problem, I think, with, I think, especially with, like, Warlord, all of these, like, 2000 AD games, mm-hmm. in that, unless you're familiar with them, they are quite difficult to jump in on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably I would say the most difficult one is Strontium Dog. Yeah. Because you have to be of a certain vintage to have read Strontium Dog mm-hmm. and enjoyed it. When I was a kid and was reading 2018, Strontium Dog was not a strip I liked. I liked Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah. Strontium Dog, oh, you know, ABC Warriors and all that, much cooler than Strontium Dog. Rogue Trooper. Um, yeah. Rogue Trooper probably doesn't make a very good battle game. He's like one dude. Whereas I, I think Slain is such like a, it's a very cool world, but each like run on the comic is quite different. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would probably be, I think probably like peoples have got their ideas of it. And mm-hmm. it's, you imagine like how convoluted comic mythology is and then mix in Irish mythology into that as you know, oh, yeah. a starting off point. You're like, well, how well do you know the Book of Kings? Well, now here I have 30 years of comic lore. Yeah. Using that as your jumping off point foundation. So it's cool. I, I do like slaying the comic, but I'm, I'm not picking up the game. I'll just read the comics still. Um, I think it's probably a little bit easier to relate to and um, don't think it's as so many cool comics is the Bleacher's Prussian Army is available for Didn't, Have you never read Marvel's Bleacher's <laughs> Prussian Army comic book series Tom it's, um, it heavily influenced X-Men I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if there is some <laughs> weird comic book somewhere which has Bleacher as a hero yeah, maybe, probably. He is, he is quite a character. Mm. Um, yeah, so for the ep- the Black Power Epic Battles, the Prussians are now available for that. So it's I think that, again, it's really cool to see that the Black Powder Epic, you know, the Waterloo stuff is I mean, getting yeah. really expanded. Yeah. yeah. And we I've mentioned it, you know, if I did, if this if the epic Waterloo stuff had come out two years ago, I might well have gone down that route because mm-hmm. they're lovely models. I mean, I've got a couple of sprues in my cupboard that are for the British. That 
you know, I'm sure if it wouldn't take a massive push for me to expand them. I I had a few sprues and I gave them to Ed because I thought this is the seed of a new project and I don't need I don't really need I'm doing some air quotes now on an audio medium, but I don't need need a, a th three scales of Waterloo Army. So somewhere someone just spat their tea out, <laughs> so I'm in disgust. Yeah, sorry. Um it's like how I draw the line and not doing World War Two in twenty mil and twenty five mil. It's yes or twenty eight, you know, it's one or the others. So then talking about World War Two and the we're finally, listeners, getting a bit of list action in Ooh. on the go. There's the SDKFZ250 box coming out, hmm. which is a single plastic kit that lets you build the SDKFZ250, that lets you build a 251, a 250-9, and hmm. a 250-11. <gasps> Ooh. And they also come with enough crew so you can have them as, like, regular... Hey, dudes, winter or Africa core. Well, that's good because they haven't got to buy which one individually. Yeah, it's, it's just one kit lets you build one of the th any of the three vehicles with any of the three crew. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure with a bit of magnetizing and maybe a bit of imaginative engineering, you can probably stretch more of them out there. I know. It's obviously going to be very different because I don't think this is a reworked Itayari kit, but mm. I know the Hetzer. I, I've got two Hetzers. <laughs> but you, I, you mentioned the Hetzer, Tom. The second one I built, I fully magnetized, I magnetized the hole yeah. so it can be a Flampanzer, whatever, or it can be the one with the auto cannon on the top. Mm -hmm. And that's just a couple of bits, a couple of magnets and a pair of plastic card, and that's all I needed to be able to build either of the two. Yeah. So, you know, I think the, the, these are really nice, and I think it's it's cool to see, again, you know, Warlord going in this direction of how do we get, you know, more options rather than having to buy the specific thing you need, having mm -hmm. more options. And, you know, it could be, depending on what, you know, getting the, that choice of different crew just makes mm. things easier. Like, right, you magnetize the crew and swap them out. They fit in your regular and your winter German army. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to paint it. You don't need I different don't, vehicles. I don't put the crew on mine normally, which I know is some would consider sinful. But I, for some reason on the tanks, I'm like, I don't like seeing the guys on there. I just, I, I just I like never the tank. Put, just I, I never tank. put tank commanders in. Yeah. As a lover of, like self-propelled artillery and assault guns mm -hmm. and stuff yeah I quite often put the crews in yeah but it does then mean oh this like grill that's fighting with these winter germans why have they got like short sleeve dudes manning the gun well, got, well you know what the gun barrel gets hot from firing there's there's yeah. reports in, like in stalingrad and places they're firing the gun so much they're taking their jackets off their tops off because it's the heat radiating from the gun tom so that that's means the story I'm working on. That, that means I need to stock green stuff and little jackets and putting them in the corner. Of the crew that's what's in. The, they're, they're stuffed in the crew compartment. <laughs> so that that that's warlord news, really. You no, know, cover for everything from Aztecs to slain to Lucia to 
A list of two fifty ones. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can get from Warlord. So, War Games Atlantic. Big news from them really is they've shifted their production from China to America, mm-hmm. which I think is probably going to make global shipping for them much quicker. Yeah, because I I, I know like their release schedule has been amazing in that how many kits they've brought out the range of kits they've been brought out but they have have been having like massive bottlenecks in production and shipping you know you pre-order something it comes out six months later and then it's immediately sold out and the waiting mm-hmm. six months or more for more which you know is not great if you're trying to get a bigger customer base i think so cool that i think that there's shift in production from China to America will definitely be better for all the US listeners. Yeah. A couple of new kits that they've brought out. You've got Gothic Warriors for the decline and fall range, which is uh, surprisingly, you know, Goths, Visigoths, flavour of your choice for you know, the end of the Roman Empire range. And then in their sci-fi Deathfield range, you've got the... Uh, Space red coats. Like uh, I'm not fully familiar with all the Imperial Guard regiments, but which is the Imperial Guard regiment that looked like it would possibly be in? Yeah. Oh, um, the ones that would be like from Zulu Dawn, kind of looking. Yeah, the ones, ones in pith helmets and the red coats. Praetorians. Praetorians. Yeah. If Michael can I, I have literally pulled that from nowhere. I, I, if it's wrong, I'm sure someone will let us know. Which one of us used to work for GW? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, these are, are, are space red coats for the Deathfield range. If you're into that sort of thing, cool. Yeehaw! It's Cowboy News Roundup. Anvil have released their Space Cowboy range. (laughs) And talking about model ranges that don't really do it, for me, the concept of Space Cowboys is meh for me, really. Just. Marshall Bravestar was just not the cartoon you watched as a kid, I guess. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was, I was just about to mention that Bravestar is the only nod I would get, unless it's a game set on New Texas. Yeah. That I'm, I'm not really. Unless it's a mechanical horse, then I'm, I'm not really interested. Or, or Firefly. Never really got Firefly. Just yeah. Never. You know really what, did it Tom? It's okay. Not everything is for everyone. Now, you don't you don't have to like every range. You don't have to like every game. It's fine. It's okay. There's enough people out there who will love Space Cowboys and want to play it. There's another Space Cowboy game that's completely slipped my mind what it's called. Because they're always chucking stuff in the salute bag. What's it? Um, oh, isn't that Wild Wild Exodus or something? Wild <laughs> Wiki Wiki Wiki. Uh, Will Smith's great hit, Wild West Exodus. That's right. Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider, don't want nada. <laughs> Which one of us is the cowboy fan? Uh. <laughs> so back from cowboy news. That's, do you have any more cowboy news? That's the only cowboy only news. Only I, I love cowboys. <laughs> They're brilliant. 
So I think a, a little bit closer to home from Pendragon. Uh, Cold War Commander 2 is coming out later this month. I think I've got a copy of Cold War Commander. Yeah. Knocking about somewhere. I think it may have been a Christmas present from you one year. Uh, it uh, certainly was. And I, 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 I'm so glad we played so many games. We got really got <laughs> our money's worth from, from Cold War Commander. Which which game was your favourite? No, don't tell me. There's too many to name. I wouldn't want you to choose one. because Each one was so special. The, 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 the will was strong, but um, COVID came along and destroyed our, our dreams. Yeah, because at one point we were looking at Team Yankee and all sorts of things, weren't we? Yeah, because I wanted to do um, the Yom Kippur um, war, um, Arab-Israeli war, or whatever it was, um, in the uh, in the 70s. Um, and, well, that never happened, so. Yeah, I'd quite like to do, like, the Viet Minh versus mm-hmm. the French. Um, I, I think Cold War Commander, it's one of those things that I'm increasingly getting my head round playing some more modern stuff mm-hmm. and I think playing it at 10 mil makes a lot of sense like I've got a 6 mil career army and I for playing bottle action career with and like to burst I always used to think World War 2 would be my cut off point yeah. and I, I didn't want to play anything more modern than that or within mass living memory I think as I've been playing more and more real world stuff, I think that for me is diminishing. And I think I'm now pretty much open to playing more or less everything, as long as it's in relatively good taste. And not... um, I'm just going to say this to you, Tom, that um, 1980 was 35 years after the end of uh, World War II. <laughs> if we go back 35 years from now, that's 1985. That is quite scary, but true. That means we are both very old. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's, I, I suppose that's exactly true, because I was, as I was thinking this day, like, to play something like the Falklands seems really modern, but it is almost like playing, as playing World War II in the 80s, isn't it, as you just said? Yeah. 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 Um, I would have, I would, I would feel there's some, some mo- uh, conflicts going on right now uh, around the world that I would feel was in very poor taste to be even considering um, playing, um, you know, and even, you know, last five or so years, I think is, is, is too soon. But um, I think there are some modern conflicts I would, I'd be happy to play if it was done in the right context of an understanding of, you know, the conflict itself. Yeah, and I think this is this is something that I personally would like to investigate future in the like future episodes of the podcast. It's something I, I've sort of like spoke to a, a few historians about is, is using war gaming as a teaching mechanism for things like mm-hmm. like sharing research and sharing what's going on and military history can be incredibly modern mm-hmm. like you know there there are there are military historians today writing and working on conflicts you know they're ongoing but yeah they're, they're, i they're, mean 
for me at work and um, doing my job, and I'm talking about history, the number of the number of people who turn to me and say, "Wow, nothing's changed, has it?" <laughs> and you go, "No, humans are just the same now as they were then. They're still making, you know, decisions based on economics and and fear and you know, desperation, just as they always have been." Yeah, but on a, a slightly on that cheery note, <laughs> and a slightly sunnier note, and I know you're a fan of the the Portuguese. Pendragon have also released some Peninsula campaign Napoleonics. So if if you're really going to paint in your Portuguese in 20, yeah, absolutely. Old, in town. I mean, going slightly back to what we we're saying previously, as I as I'm, I think we both are developing as gamers. I'm much more interested in. Uh, I think what has happened is I'm, I'm more interested in learning the history when I play a game than I am in just going pew-pew as I perhaps was when I was a teenager. So, you know, I'm currently trying to learn more about the Peninsula campaign. So I should probably check it out, Tom. Well, I, th- I think this is a different thing, isn't it? I've, when you sort of get into the history, you start playing army lists for what was there. <laughs> well, you, you start doing your research and you start reading. You don't sort of sit down and look at the army book and go, "What is the best thing? What is the best unit?" Right? I'm going to. How many of those can I take? Right? How can I min-max this unit to crush my enemy? Yeah, you know that there's. Whereas when you get a bit more into the history, there's you're not quite so much about hearing the lamentations of your enemies. You're just mm. more they having fun your own way. Yeah. So talking about, you know, doing your research and, you know, doing these really in-depth, like learning the background, you know, what were the civilians doing and, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mantic have brought out some Salamander Corsair pirates. Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> this is the other extreme, isn't it? I mean, I'm, it's yeah. weird because that sentence sounds fantastic. I'm on board. Yeah. Tell me more. The Salamander Corsair troop for Salamanders. So for those of listeners who don't know, they are the... Lizard Menesque faction from Kings of War. Mm-hmm. You can now bring out a. They now have pistol shooting sailor pirates. Anthropomorphic lizard pirates. I'm in. They are. And then there's, they've also brought out a Salamander battle captain. And this is going to be fun to pronounce for me. Lecky Likoli Licky, which is a giant dinosaur thing. And I would caution listeners about Googling that because you will get some interesting Google hits when you Google Liko Lecky Likai thing. And you can, do you have a better pronunciation for what is billed as a giant dinosaur thing? Me? Yes. I think you did a great job. I was trying to think of that fish, isn't there? That it sounds like that fish. Give me a minute here, Tom. La willy willy humu humu nuku 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 apu uh, oily oi, which I'm probably mispronouncing as well. Yeah. There you go, well, Tom. Anyway, this, this model, it, it's a very cool. <laughs> that was worth the 20 minutes, wasn't it, Tom? It, it's a very cool giant dinosaur model. I love a giant like, dinosaur. It, it looks right out of the like old claymation dinosaur. It, it looks like it's about to fight Godzilla or Kong or something. Does it come with your own Ray Harryhausen to adjust its pose <laughs> before battle? I don't know, but it, it, it is a cool model, if not having a rather unpronounceable name. 
So, moving on from that rather strange doubt, which might take some editing to make. <laughs> oh, when I went up on my tangent trying to find the name of the Lecky Lecky Moe Moe Neo, I can't remember. Uh, so, GW News, trio, a couple of bits of news really. There's a new Tyranid Codex Act. Mm hmm. Squats are back. Squats are back. All right. Do, 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 and squats. Talking about lovely models, the Ash Wastes box is out. Oh my gosh. Have you seen those giant insect riding dudes? The Flea they Riders, are... which when I, first, when I first yeah. saw them, I thought they look straight out of the cover of like a 1987 heavy metal magazine cover yeah they are such lovely models they're amazing and then i I saw the price of the box and that was also amazing you're looking at about 140 quid from a second hand like a a second 20 percent yeah third party retail yeah that's just for a few giant bug riders that's just a bit too rich for my money i'm afraid so you can buy the entire French army at Waterloo in 12 <laughs> mil or five bug riders. What do you choose, Tom? Yeah, I think I'll take the entire French army. I mean, I'm exaggerating here for comic effect, but... Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, to be honest, from what I've seen around the internets, a lot of people are of the same opinion. These are gorgeous. A bit too rich for my pocket money. I mean, uh, I think... GW are fishing for whales, you know, individuals with lots of cash are happy to spend a lot of money to buy box sets. You know, they're yep. not going to get they're not going to get casual gamers with those kind of prices. I, I think they have fully committed to like mining the nostalgia groupies. Oh, yeah. Because like same with squats, it's got to be people our age who are wanting squats. Yeah, because people much younger than us can't remember them from when I don't, I don't know exactly when they got squatted but it's a long time ago yeah 90s the thing is i don't know maybe young people do like it because there's, there's hints and 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 glimpses like there's some necromunda models yeah well they, they, they've been like, you know are, like are, they, are they like oh man do you remember i wish i could play squat uh, i used to, be able to play squats it must have been so cool in the same way as kids might be going, oh, imagine going to see Bowie play a concert. <laughs> you know, oh, can you imagine what it was like? And now, now they can. Maybe youngsters are going, though. Are excited for squats, Tom? You know? I don't know. You have a, you have a young child? Is he raving about the squats? <laughs> um, I don't think he knows they exist. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. He's seven. Um, he tends to talk more about Ronaldo. Yeah, it's like when I and think Pikachu. of squats. When I think of the joy of squats is dwarves riding around on chopper bikes with like raked mm. handlebars and wearing mirror shades and stuff. It's yeah. I think they, I love squats, but they are like a quintess. The squats I like, if they made them now, would look terrible because they're such quintessential. Everything turned up to eleven. Yeah. In nineteen eighty nine or whenever they were sculpted, it's even I by mean, the eight, even by the eighties standards, they were out there. 
early 90s whenever they were made yeah they were fantastic but um the new ones look really nice that new one um yeah. you new, know and to be honest like the the vehicles gw have been putting out recently like the new bikes and that sort of stuff, they are gorgeous models yeah like no to... one makes models as well as gw that's just a fact um i just can't afford to buy them no it's uh, or, or it goes well i could buy this or i could get x y and z and still have money left over oh exactly what what does my plastic get me do i buy one unit or do i buy an army you know yeah and, and, and that's a choice you make you know because if, if everyone's playing 40k you enjoy playing 40k then that's your choice and i respect that and and, and more power to you if that's what you want to do don't think we're bashing bashing them but um, no it's, it's it's not and if and if you just play gw and you go right ash wastes is going to be my six month hobby project yeah well because you know those models are the sorts of things i can see people spending months painting because they're fantastic you know, and in some ways i wish i could i wish i could slow down my painting so i was like all right i'm going to paint six models this year and just buy if i just spent 150 quid this year on hobby yeah and i was happy with that that would be amazing but the truth we both know both know the truth don't we tom well, the, the, it's going to be way more than that but yeah that's going to be a fraction of what you actually need for the army but there is no right or wrong way to hobby. This is what makes people yeah. happy, isn't it? But yeah. Talking about lovely minis and how they don't have to. My be, collection. Talk about my collection of wonderful models. How they don't have to be at a massive price premium. Yeah. Kickstarter, Ragnarok Miniatures have released their Ragnarok 3 Kickstarter. Ooh. Ragnarok Miniatures are the company that released the. Undead Norse and the like Norse Chaos Dwarves, which I painted up earlier this year, and are probably the fate the, the best metal models I've ever painted. Mm -hmm. In that they were so clean, they were so crisp, like every weapon fitted every hand with no drilling or cleanup or That's anything. Nice. And so, and they've now have a web store where you can buy almost all of their range. So just do a Google or check on Facebook for Ragnarok miniatures. But, and the other cool thing, amazing thing about them is the dwarves, I think, were listed on, fate, on Kickstarter, I think, in February last mm -hmm. year. And I had them by the end of the summer. It was, a few, it was a few months. Now, this Ragnarok 3 is for a set of it's 15 figures and it's basically it's the quest for the lonely mountain mm -hmm. and it's thorin and all these dudes with a bilbo and gandalf um they've used the names taken from the it's either the prose editor or the poetic editor um so they're rather than talking they're from Tolkien's inspiration they're lovely models mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous and they are 38 pounds for all 50. yeah um, if you're going to take the time to paint those up individually and make them look great then 38 pounds isn't much at all now you get a really cool wizard you get a cool halfling burglar and then 
a load of dwarves and all the capes. So if you're the kind of person who got really annoyed when you watched the Hobbit movies, because people were, you know, the entire party wasn't in the colour coordinated capes, you can now put everyone in their right coloured cape. It was a nightmare, Tom. I, I don't bring it up again. <laughs> who can you tell who is who when they've not got the right coloured capes on? Oh there was God. no capes. Yeah, but, you know, these would get my two thumbs up support. They're made, they'll be, and also, I think it's possible. There's, there's two pledges. You can pay a slight premium and you get them four weeks after the pledge finishes which I think finishes in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So you can pay like about 40 something pounds and you're going to be getting them end of June, I think. So, you know, I, I'm not buying them purely because I'm trying to save money and I don't need, I would love them, but I don't need them in my life at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're playing a lot of Frostgrave and you want a warband, there's plenty of, that's, that's enough for a warband or... Yeah. yeah, or if, if if you're doing, you know, I think they're, they're nice enough models. They would look great as like a diorama on like a mantelpiece or something like that. that. Exactly what I was thinking. Like to paint them up, make a little diorama would be great. So, talking about lovely models and that sort of things and, and visual treats, I suppose we're at that part in proceedings where it, it's time to sort of. Guard my consciousness and see what transportation you've got ready for us this week. The gallery. Well, as we stand here, the two of us, Tom, by the uh, by the waterside on the quayside here, as the uh, the seagulls fly overhead, and we. Breathe that deep sea air. I have Captain Nemo himself has prepared his Nautilus um, as, uh, uh, for us to guide to guide ourselves around the ocean floor and gaze upon the wonderful models there at the bottom of the ocean. So if you want to just oh, just watch your head there, Tom, on the uh, on the hatch as we climb down the ladder into the belly of this giant steam powered and brass covered. Uh, submarine. Uh, Alas, nobody has painted up a scale Kirk Douglas to join us. Tragically <laughs> not. Tragically not. But if only. If I only. do believe we have a we do have a kraken. I think oh, in, in the just, gallery. Oh yeah, we do. Um, they've closed the, the hatches and um, they're operating the controls. And uh, oh, oh, we're off at quite a pace here, Tom. The, there's shoals of fish whizzing past us. And oh, we, uh, we have a journey of many leagues to do. We do. So as we head past uh, a shoal of of uh, tiny fish, we see something up ahead. What's that up ahead there, Tom? Well, before we start looking at Mini, just wanted to give a, a shout out to the Hamilton Tabletop Gaming Society, which Indeed. posted on the group the other day that they'd had their first meeting since the start of everything locking down in March 2020. They'd had, uh, I think, 55 attendees playing everything from Kings of War to Blood Bowl, Battletech, Black Seasons and board games. And just mm-hmm. to say it's, it's really great that people all over the world are, are getting back gaming. So that's a nice feel good. So that is genuinely, you know, wonderful to have, every, you know, people back together gaming. It's um, 
one thing I really missed was you know, getting together. Um, I'm so blessed that we have a, a shared club that we can go to. Hi, everyone of the Hackney area tabletop enthusiasts. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening and see you soon on Wednesday. Um, but um, as we pass through a, a kelp forest, I see a tall, oh, rather intimidating looking figure. What's that? What's that, Tom? I think that will be one of Stephen Keenland's Black Templars. Oh, what's he doing down here with that axe? Uh, I think he may be on the hunt for some heretics. <laughs> well, you won't find any down here, I hope. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful colours. Um, you know, Steve does some some really good paint um, painting and models. Um, and this is another fine example. It looks really, I like the work on the axe and the, and the yellow is nice and crisp, which is never an easy thing to do. Yellow is one of those tricky colours. Looks really good. No, I, I think that, especially the power axe, I think is... You know, that's the sort of thing I would imagine to see in like a modeling masterclass book on how do you paint a mm -hmm. power weapon. It's I, I, I'm not over exaggerating to think it was one of the nicest power weapons I've ever seen painted. It looks fantastic. And Steve has been painting up a lot of his, it's been posting up a lot of his Black Templars and Dreadnoughts. Mm -hmm. and all oh, yeah, sorts. lots, lots to see on the group. So uh, before we go any further, I'm going to stop the, the submarine as well, Tom, and just say, um, you know, do go to the Facebook group, do paint your, your work up there. We are the hobby support group. The, the main idea when me and Tom started this group was to support other people who are hobbying. So we do want to see your hobby. So do post it up. And that's why we always have the gallery to give a shout out to those who are doing incredible work. But can I also say, as we're getting more members, there's more and more stuff to look at. It's getting harder and harder to choose um, and do shout outs. So uh, well done, everyone. You're doing loads of work. Uh, and it's really great to see. Make me and Tom work harder. That's the thing. A coral reef parts below us to reveal. What's that? What's that zooming along the seabed? I, I think they may be going quite fast. Are, are, are they painted red to go faster? Red ones always go faster, Tom. You know that. The, these, these may be Ed's Court of Speed. Oh, yes. That's exactly what they are. And they are some classic orcs. I mean, they don't make them like this anymore. Talk, talking, about, talking about the appeal of, of classic models. Yeah. These are fantastic, aren't they? they who, if these do not bring a smile to your face, if you see orcs on bikes with cannons on both sides, with huge mohawks yeah. and chainsaws floating I mean, around. It's not for me any longer, but it makes me so happy to see them. I yes. can't, I can't, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's just this pure nostalgia. And he's done, he's done a really good job on them as well. Nice, bright colours. It's really nice to see. I, I think they, these are, what I really like about these is that they do look like they could be from a copy of White Dwarf 1990. But they also, you know, down to the Goblin Green bases and stuff. But they also look perfectly like they've been painted today. Like yeah. They, they have like a, a good mix. I, I think they they just sort of tick both boxes. Because I, I think when you're going down the, do we just do the Goblin Green base and that's it? You know, these aren't, these are sanded bases. And, you know, they, it's, in a way, it's, I think it's quite difficult to paint something looking like painting hasn't moved on in 30 years. Mm -hmm. And these definitely yeah. are really nicely painted. It's that callback to classic. 
and yet using modern skills, which I think is a very difficult thing to. I've never got the hang of it myself. Um, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do. So it's very, very good there, Ed. And let's not forget his, his grots as well, which I do not envy him having to paint all those grots. No, I did. I think it was last month. I finally sold my grot army because like, I'm never going to actually want to sit down and paint several hundred grots. And I thought it, I sold them. I, I, I am now a grot free man. Yes. I mean, I did a similar thing about five or six years ago. I had a classic. I managed to buy loads of classic Tyranids, metal Tyranid warriors and bits and bobs. And then I realised I am never going to paint these. I just, just give them to someone who's going to love them. And and, uh, and George painted them up and they looked absolutely amazing when he painted them. So I was glad to see them looking so good. It's good and to pass them on to someone who's going to love them. I think Ed maybe ought to get like a special badge for actually being one of the very few hobbyists who starts with the idea of having a grot army and then finishes it because i think i think finishing a grot army is especially with those third edition the second or third edition grots mm -hmm. I, I think that is almost akin to the i'm not going to buy any models until i've sold all the, until I've, i'm not going to buy any models until i've painted all the models that i've got areas of hobby commitment that we all agree to and yet mm -hmm. hardly one does in the murky darkness below, amongst the anglerfish, I see something. Well, it's truly delightful, Tom. Do you see that? They, they look like Austrians. Oh, who would dare to paint white? What, what, what champion of painting would choose to paint those all those white Austrians uniforms? I think these are Joseph's Austrians. I think are a slightly larger scale. Oof. They are gorgeous they are gorgeous they're, yeah they're, they're lovely models and a truly lovely paint job they are really nice i mean like i said about yellow earlier like white is another color that's really challenging to paint and get well get done right either it looks like gray or you know or it's too yeah. chalky and and this is striking exactly the right place for these models uh, it looks so nice uh, and the difficulty of several shades of white on the same model, which just works really well. So you truly hats off to these. Look, these. So I've I've been thinking about doing some Austrians myself, so uh, not in 28 mil. Obviously, I'm, I'm not crazy, <laughs> but uh, yeah. As a lonely basking shark swirls around the uh, our ship. Uh, we go even further down to the dark, into the trench. And there we see more dark, menacing figures lurching out of the shadows amongst the kelp and uh, and sand. What is that there, Tom? Well, I think these dudes look truly at home in these murky depths. They are Benjamin Fletcher's plague dudes. He's been posting. Yeah, he's always everything that Benjamin posts always looks brilliant but this month he's been posting a whole series of, of different nurgly chaps and they're great you know great models great color schemes they all each individual model looks like a character but they also work really well as a band there's some cool conversions mm -hmm. on them oh they're very nice and you know who doesn't as you say, you know, who doesn't like a, an orc? 
who doesn't like a Nurgle figure? They're all just exactly. Jolly. Exactly, <laughs> they really are. They really are, and it gets good. It, they're just very nice to see these conversions. I, I'm always interested to see what Benjamin's going to turn out, whether they're cultists or Nurgle guys or whatever it might be. He always um, puts some some real care into the models, and they're always interesting. You know, I never ask that you necessarily be be great, but um, if you're interesting, that that really counts for a lot. So as we um, turn to our starboard around a sea mount and we head past a, a cloud of bioluminescent jellyfish as we head towards a deep sea vent spewing volcanic gases into the dark water, the depths below, we see something whooshing overhead. What is that, Tom? These would be some, some Steve Evans ships for Armada, mm -hmm. which is the Mantic Naval game, core models. They've been painted up really well. They just look a lot of fun. And then I, I think I can see on the decks of them are some Kings of War Ogres. I, I, I think if you look at the sides, they're definitely Kings of War Ogres. But they, they also remind me of a, a movie. What was it? Uh, Congo. Giant white, yeah. scary looking apes. And Bad ape. Bad ape is all I remember from that movie, Tom. <laughs> Bad ape. I chose, <laughs> I, I chose these for gallery because I think they're a great way of how you can use cool models, especially in something like Kings of War, mm -hmm. to represent something else. Like these are for an Ogre Kingdom's army. Yeah. And yet they're just some giant white, wrong looking gorillas. What do you mean only? <laughs> <laughs> they're giant white gorillas. They're fantastic. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. No, but I think like you know, you see, yeah, you see some white, you see some giant gorillas, and you go, "What can I really use these for in the game?" Quite difficult to think many games that can have multiple giant apes. I've got an ogre kingdom army. There are a new mm. regiment of ogres. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, I think they're brilliant myself. Just make you think. Would it would make me then wonder? Do I take a giant and find a Kong model from somewhere? And then... oh, <laughs> yes. Tom. And then then at what point do you just then start do you know what I just want an entire army, you know, what when, when at what point does Mothra and go down sort of pulling ah, ah. you know <laughs> why not? Is it a dragon? No, it's Mothra. <laughs> you could have gone for Godzilla, I want Mothra. <laughs> King Gadira. So as we um we ring the bell, Captain Nemo has started putting more coal into the engines as we start to rise up through uh, the murky darkness back up towards the surface and uh, we pass through uh, a shoal of herring and on the back of the herring what's that there tom i, I think they may be there's thousands of them they're emus <laughs> <laughs> uh, they really are <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of them at least 60. <laughs> I think there's 60 oh, emus there. I, I wish the listeners could peer behind the curtain of what <laughs> happens when we record this podcast. <laughs> I was not expecting uh, my emus. Yeah. I, I, think I, they were, I think they are worthy. I re, you said you painted them in the morning. Yeah. I like how you got the feather detail on them. They look like the wings. You, you look like they've got crests and stuff. They, yeah. they look really cool. I mean, I looked at a picture of an emu. I was like, 
and this is my top tip don't imagine you know what an emu looks like go and look at an emu and then paint what it looks like rather than just assuming you do know because that's that's always the fall uh, i just looked at a picture of an emu and then i just painted it you know but i would imagine especially in most especially in britain the vast majority of us can't imagine an emu without rod hull and it, that was I that was the hardest point was actually not painting rod hull and i i don't think they are like purple and blue <laughs> they're not they're not I, I would imagine that someone somebody out there is painting their emus just like emu and uh just putting like the little googly eyes on, <laughs> on the side of them all big bowl of jelly her on. Oh. so then i think also the prussians that you posted up andrew 10 mil auxilia i know you didn't enjoy painting them but i think especially the prussians they look gorgeous they look oh, thank you very really much nice. thank you i mean genuinely thank you very much um and because that's something you know i should have forever now to use uh, playing in six mil and you know I, I, they did turn out they I always get a little fearful before I paint six mil. And I don't know why, because it's always actually ends up being really easy to do. So just just get on and paint them. Yeah, we'll we'll steal Brett's catchphrase. Just paint bravely. Exactly. Just paint bravely, kids. So as um, we start to come up to the surface of the water, and the sunlight plays in the dappled surface of the ocean, um, a darting uh, marlin bursts from the water and lands amongst. Wow, what looks like some quad bikes. These would be Ben Stills British Powers on quad bikes from White Dragon Miniatures. We were talking about playing moderns and ultra moderns a little while ago, you know. You see minis like this and you go, actually, could maybe see myself playing. Oh, yeah, they're very nice. Something which you've got Powers riding about on quad bikes. They look really cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fantastic paint job as ever from Ben. Great little, you know, especially the quads each look like little diorama pieces. Really don't need they're nice. Just that little, that's a little pop of blue from the lenses on there, on the glasses. Just it works so re so well. A spot color is a technical term for that. You know, the dusty. They look so dusty. And yeah. then yeah. It just that little spot of blue just really sort of and, draws and, attention to the face. Yeah, and especially when you're playing anything, when you're painting anything sort of in camo or, or muted colours, you really, you don't want anything to pop so they can look very flat and drab. You know, especially when you've got them on a, a, a you know, a, a, like a big quad bike, which is roughly the same colour as the uniform, which is the same colour as the base. They, they, they could be otherwise quite drab, but I think, yeah, those... The, the lens pops just give it that bit of life and i think as we're now on the surface almost sort of chugging along to the secret base I, I see some tiny tiny ships on the horizon or are they merely far away nope these would be some of paul's tiny ships which he has gone to the extreme lengths of putting all the rigging on i think every time he posts some more of these tiny ships paul it's just they seem to be getting better and better and i think smaller and smaller in size but still fully rigged and just mind-blowing i've done a graph and i think we can safely say that in about five years time uh, <laughs> he's going to be putting rigging on grains of rice <laughs> 
So as we we as we pass HMS Ark Royal on our on our port side, and we had we see the distant lights and of, of other ships far away. We see uh, just in the on the foreshore there, on the quayside. Who's that? It's some kind of investigational team. Are they a bunch of meddling kids? They are. They're going to ruin my uh, investment in that old abandoned. <laughs> Funfair. Uh, there's a ghost running around the there. Dog with some kind of snack. These these would be monks. Scooby Inquisition writing you, which, for listeners who might not know, is a 40k inquisitorial retinue based on Scooby Doo. It, which it's is, a fantastic idea. It's, it's really good. Fantastic fun, and just works really you look at it without the name you know what it is and then you know Daphne the Scooby it just works yeah. brilliantly if I saw these without being prompted I'd know exactly what it was yeah even the mystery machine at the back there yeah fantastic hashtag fantastic. not mystery machine for legal purposes yeah I don't think in the cartoon you actually had a Punisher cannon on the top I think that might I've made it a bit more what? of a hard time. <laughs> I'm sure there's an episode, isn't it, in when they meet Kiss, that they have it there. And so I suppose before we dock, there can only be one final destination. We've reached Warren, the Warren, the, the Warren, the Warren report, the Warren section of the show dedicated to his mastery of the brush. Today. The mariachi skeletons, I mean. Where do you start with these? I think. Black clothing is such a hard thing to paint. Oh, and yeah, you know, painting of minis which are just black and white, but yeah, just look—they look so good. Like th- these minis themselves are amazing, but these just look out of a magazine, out of a, an award-winning magazine. I think they are absolutely fantastic. Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, you know, that kind of, you know. Uh, Talking about like the stop motion things, they, they, they look cinema quality to me, really. They, they look like the thing that would be <clears throat> singing and dancing in a movie still. I would I would love these. I would I would put them on my shelf. If I, if I owned these, these would be on the shelf, you know, and um, I, just, I just think they're amazing. Yeah. Well. We, we know they tickled your fancy, but I think maybe the other thing in the Warren Standard this month, I thought maybe... Oh, look at those. Oh. Might be more your cup of tea. Which oh, look at those cowboys. Is My the word. Dead Man's, ha- dead man's Hands Lord. No, I do I do love a good cowboy, as you, as you know. Uh, put any, anything in chaps. But um, I, I, these are these are very good. I think I prefer the, uh, the Undead Mariachi Band, I'll be honest. But that that's very particular. I, that that really tickles a fancy for me. But these are these are amazing. These I, are really I, really nice. I especially like the one who looks like is straight out of Hell on Wheels. I can't remember the character's name, but these are these are cool cowboys. Again, it's Warren. It's Warren Standard. Amazingly painted. Brilliant characters and how you can have a posse of cowboy lawmen that actually look characterful and look yeah. 
different and don't just look generic. Well, they're colourful, but they don't look out of place at the same time. Yes. You know? They've each got a splash of colour on them that just, you know, brings them to life a little bit. You just realise, you know, the past wasn't black and white. It was colourful. Yes. Really like them. And the bases ties it all together perfectly. You know they all go together by looking at the bases. Yeah. You know, that's the final step to really bring your army together. I, mean, I know we spoke before about you could be stood in the park and everyone be in a, in a different type of uh, basing, you know, uh, but um, we as war gamers like the basing to match. I think it just bring, I think it brings them together, doesn't it? And just makes them look more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and so talking about bases is, is probably a good place to dock this ship and we emerge with our faculties intact which is a bonus from it was quite a smooth ride compared to where we what we've normally done tom it, it, it was you know no, no sea creatures no russians or anything it was, it was very pleasant just a pleasant underwater ride in a steam-powered submarine Metal East, you know we, we did cross from one side of the river thames to the other and that was it so it wasn't particularly <laughs> yeah <laughs> the dentians of Bermondsey are not that rough really so it was yeah, you've no, clearly you've never been south of the river, Tom. Uh, so uh, uh, before we sort of finish off this month's episode, I suppose it's time to have a, a, a quick chat about our, sort of our hobby plans for May. Mm-hmm. And so, so if I, I've got a couple of like gaming wise, uh, I want to play some Keyforge because I haven't played for a little while. Mm-hmm. And my new game for the month is I want to play some Pikeman's Lament. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I want to give it a go. And my hobby goal for like hobbying is to finish building the French 1815 army. Yeah. And start painting it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, I think that's a, a realistic goal. Is by the end of the month, I could probably have it primed. Mm-hmm. Um. Not sure I'm going to paint it all in one go. Yeah. I I, I think I, I might paint some of the infantry or paint the infantry and then and then leave off and paint other bits and pieces i i will see but i think with the oval list concept i think it, it's it's specifically for me really useful when doing these big projects is that i don't feel guilty when i leave off them and have a little change for a while yeah and and then come back to it because it's like right I, i've painted 50 or 60 of these i've got how i'm doing them sorted i can now spend a week doing something different have a complete change and then come back and do it again so obviously you know hopefully next time we record for a hobby update i've finished building the french how about what are your plans for may andy well i'm hopefully going to get myself some some key forge and and some pikeman pikeman's lament as well I know it was popular with the with the hobby support group. They want us to play more tiny English Civil War, so we'll do that. So hopefully, I'm playing Ed, and I'm going to be playing you at that. Um, Hobby-wise, uh, next month I want to get finished the remaining Prussians in six mil. That's my focus for 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 this month is to just get those. So that's a definite tick on my overall list. If I get that done, they can start working on some other things. Maybe finish off that Cornet Blood Bowl team. Well, hopefully then in June we can play some French versus Prussians. We can. I thought you could say play some Blood Bowl. 
but uh, we could do that as well. We 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 can have uh, you know Nay can be chasing down Blue Show. Yeah, I mean we we did we could play Prussians you know now, but let's uh, let's get all of it done. It's good, and I suppose also it's important for gaming wise this month we're going to have the conclusion of the English Civil War mass battle. Yeah. On the the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. So that will be something to look forward to. Very exciting. Well, thank you very much, Andy, and have a good hobby month, listeners, and we will speak to you all soon. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Take care.